Good morning and welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. I'm Nathan and joining me today is Craig. Hello. And Susie. Hello. And we have received minimal feedback, was one at least that was really quite important. Um, Stella Fair sent a message using the contact form. It's a fact. More people find out about your business on Facebook or Twitter than on search engines. Making these sites work may be tricky for you, but it's business as usual for us. Let us improve your visibility and enhance your image. It's part of our complete internet marketing packages. We'll be more than your friends. We'll be your partners. <laughs> and if no one contacts us, I'm just going to keep reading out ads and spam every <laughs> month until you guys do. Speaking right. of which, however, there is the actual important um, feedback, which is an apology. In the last episode, I said that the contact form was broken and that Gold hadn't got round to fixing it yet. Um, and we heard back from Gold, and apparently he didn't get my message that I sent him, the email, um, about the contact form being broken. And we tried it again, and it's working now. So you can contact us via the contact us form on our website, thecusp.org.nz. Oh, wait, no, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> um, and Nathan apologizes profusely for maligning Gold. I, I did say that. I said it was an apology. Um, so, yes, notice board. Nothing on the notice board, obviously. No, nothing no. coming up. We're well, going to do something a bit different for December Skeptics in the pub. We haven't quite decided what yet. We should have a party. Some Christmas, sort of party. A, Susie wants a to have a party. A non-Christmas party. A non-Christmas right. party. With some... A, 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 a non-religious Christmas party. A pagan... A pagan party. Well, that uh, would still be it? nonsense. Yeah, I suppose. Anyway, was... we'll figure something out. We'll do something, but something fun. We'll get Raina to bring some decorations and... Why Raina? <laughs> I don't know. She did, I she, some decorations. She did the, um, the apocalypse party last time and she was oh, all that's decorations true. all over that's the place. That's true. But okay. anyway. Oh, do we need... Yeah. Okay. So is there, is there no end of the end of the world coming this Christmas? I don't think there is. Oh, bugger. Okay. No. All no. right. It's going to sneak up unannounced, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And moving on to news items today, we have m.nzherald.com. Lifestyle news article CFM question mark C yeah, yeah, dot yeah. I, I don't oh, know. Nathan. Well, which one is it? I don't know. Oh, that's the six myths. That's the one I pasted in there. Um, <laughs> six myths about vaccinations busted. Now, I'm assuming this is a Susie type story. Have you read it or do you want me to read uh, it? Out? Well, so actually, so this is by Rachel Dunlop. Yeah, um, Rachel Dunlop. So what's really cool is that this has appeared in the Herald, but they, yeah. um, so mm. she wrote an article for The Conversation, an Australian website. And they have um, syndicated it in the Herald, and it's awesome. So she lists um, some busted myths. So the first myth is that vaccines cause autism. Mm -hmm. And so she, so what she does is she basically ex, ex, um, just looks at some of the myths and then explains why they're wrong. So you guys all have heard me hear this say this quite a long lot of times. Many, why it doesn't many, cause many, many, autism. many, 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 many. So she many, just um, times. talks about some of the data. Uh, second myth, smallpox and polio have disappeared. Small point about so there's that. There's no need to vaccinate anymore. About that first one. She says, not a doctor, Andrew Wakefield, was the first to suggest. Um, um, um. Yeah. I think she probably, that should probably read, not a doctor now, Dr. Wakefield. Because he was a doctor at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he was. He's not a doctor anymore. He's been, been struck, struck off. off. Yeah. Carry on. Um, yes, okay. Uh, so smallpox and polio have disappeared, so there's no need to vaccinate anymore. Um, and actually that's not true 
um, because certainly polio has not been eradicated and in fact polio is making a comeback because there are plenty of places who are not um, is it fair to say that it was almost eradicated? Yeah, I think it was. Because I remember someone say. saying that it was it was pretty yeah. much a non-issue, and then yeah. people stopped vaccinating, mm. and then it started. These things have started mm. to come back, or things we thought we had eradicated, perhaps. Is there no, this a one thought? we definitely knew we hadn't. Okay, but the they were really close. Okay, and part of it is the um, because of all the stuff like with Andrew Wakefield's autism things, um, the worry that you know people in the I mean, there's lots of reasons for people in countries in Africa to be worried about vaccines, but part of it is seen as cultural imperialism, but also part of it is like, well, you know, if they're stopping vaccinating, you know, or if wealthy people are rejecting vaccines, then it's like you're poisoning, you're trying to poison the poor people kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so lots of people are, too, you know, are trying not to vaccinate and, um, and it's just causing massive, massive problems. Whereas they're not, you know, if we have, as we do have, there's populations of people with their mermaid tattoos who don't vaccinate it's not it's not that big a deal for most communities until of course you get yeah you know, something come in so there's been like a huge huge um, epidemic in, of measles in wales which is exactly related to the wakefield yeah thing why do we care about wales having measles <laughs> well they're, they're they're an endangered species craig um yes yeah, so, don't make me call peter <laughs> do peter care about wales anyway um, so, head. yeah, these things haven't disappeared and we do need to vaccinate. And actually it's kind of scary. So we don't vaccinate against smallpox anymore, but, and we have pretty much, I guess we think we've eradicated it, but of course it does, it's not that it doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. You know, there hmm. are vials of smallpox in, uh, labs around the world. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's pretty scary. Actually, we should talk about uh, we should talk about the um, the fact that the Americans have got a new biological weapon. Have they? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that now? Do you want to put it on the list, or do you want to do it now? I could talk about it now. Okay. So. um, Do you want to just quickly do the rest of the myths? Okay. Sorry. Yes. Let's do the rest of the myths. Okay. So myth three: more vaccinated people get the disease than the unvaccinated. That's the interesting one. Right. Um, so it says, although this sounds counterintuitive, it's actually true, but it doesn't mean that vaccines don't work. Remember that no vaccine is 100% effective and vaccines are not a force field. I like that. Vaccines mm. are not a force field. So while it's still possible to get the disease you've been vaccinated against, the severity and the duration will be massively reduced. Um, and you almost, and you certainly won't get severe complications. So Yeah. But it's just um, a, it's just a mathematics. It's thing, numbers because yeah, the, the more people are vaccinated, the... then more people are actually going to get the disease than yeah. people who are unvaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So since the majority of the population is vaccinated, it follows that most people who get a particular disease will be vaccinated. But critically, they will suffer fewer complications and long-term effects than those who are than those who are completely unprotected. Myth four: uh, My unvaccinated child should be of no concern to your vaccinated one. Herd immunity. Um, so Rachel writes, vaccination is not just a personal issue. It's a community responsibility, largely because of a concept known as community immunity or yeah. herd immunity. Um, and uh, basically, what did they say about this? So, okay. So it's kind of, well, it doesn't really the answer other, the question. The other important actually, factor, yeah. 
you know, if your so child is vaccinated, if my child is vaccinated then it doesn't, it's I don't more of a, a straw shit, man. But it's more about, yeah. So it's, it's more, more of a straw man. There are people who cannot be vaccinated, yeah. who would be vaccinated if they could be. Yeah. Um, myth five, vaccines contain toxins. <clears throat> and these are basically untrue um, things. They, you know, they don't contain antifreeze or aborted fetuses and various things like that. No. Um, they may contain cells from things, but um, nowadays they don't contain any of these things. Or if they do contain something, they are it's almost homeopathic. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. doses of them, so um, they are not enough to cause any toxicity. Um, and she writes, the simple thing to remember is the po is the poison is in the dose. In high enough doses, even water can kill you. And there's 600 times more formaldehyde in a pear than in a vaccine. Yeah. So. so don't eat pears. <laughs> <laughs> she says also, if you ever read the claim that vaccines are injected directly into the bloodstream, be sceptical of any other claims because they're not. No. They are injected into the muscle. I was going to say the muscle. Yeah. That's um, and number six, vaccines will overwhelm kids' under undeveloped immune systems. Well, that's basically loads of bollocks because... A child is being bombarded with um, unknown antigens, which mm. are the things that we respond to pretty every minute of the day. So that is just nonsense. The amount mm. of challenges that children fight every day between two to 6,000 in the environment is significantly greater than tum -tum, 150 for the entire vaccination schedule. Right. So there you go. Cool. Now, we have yeah. another news item that's related to that, Susie. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, I, I'd forgotten about this. So, um, okay, Clostridium botulinum, the uh, strain that caused the big scare in our milk, infant milk right. products with Fonterra in China a mm -hmm. few uh, months. months ago. Mm -hmm. So this is an organism in the soil, um, and uh, it's an organism that doesn't like oxygen. Uh and what it does is when times get tough, it forms spores, which are these forms the bacteria that can basically survive under really kind of harsh conditions. Um, and then with this organism, there's a whole range of them, but they basically produce a, um, a toxin that can, it's actually one of the most potent toxins known to man. I think a kilogram of it could kill the entire world's population. Um, and uh, basically when these spores germinate, the bacteria start to grow and they produce this toxin. Um, the toxin is really well known uh, because it's used pretty much every day by a vast number of women. It's called Botox. So this is the toxin that you inject. So uh, again, almost homeopathic doses to stop wrinkles and things. Hmm. But if you get in really high doses, it will kill you. And so we had the scare because there were uh, thought to be this bacteria in the milk powder. So what's interesting about this bug is it produces, I think, this, this versions with about four, four to six different types of toxin. And the way that when this organism, so you can get the tox, you can have the toxin produced and that's in food and that makes people sick. Or you can ingest the spores and mm. the bacteria grows and you get the toxin. The when, if you get it, the treatment is an antitoxin. So, so we have um, antitoxins available for each of the toxins that we know that affect humans. And so it's usually babies that come in if they have it they then you find out which toxin type they've got and then you give them the antitoxin and then they survive and there's just been a paper published like last month showing that a new toxin form has been identified so it's a toxin that 
It's never been seen before, so we don't have any antitoxin to it. And it was discovered by a group in, uh, in America. And they've published it because it's really important for people to know that there are now that they have found this new form. So there right. are forms of Clostridium botulinum that produce toxins that we don't know about yet. This is important news. But what they've done is, while they have completely characterized the toxin, so they've sequenced the gene and they know the sequence of it and all this kind of stuff, that part has been censored from the literature. So they haven't included that information in the scientific literature because of the fear that it could be used as a biological weapon. Because right. if you have the sequence of that gene, you then you can synthesize it. it and get put it into another bacteria like E. coli and then get E. coli to produce tons of this toxin that we have no antitoxin for. Right. What of and so it's kind of interesting they've taken <coughs> the step and so the paper and normally so who did the censoring right the, the so the no so the the people work for like an equivalent of a public health board in California I think and so what they've obviously done because they're essentially a government agency is they had approached the journal about publishing it in which case you have to say that you've released the sequence and said you know we don't want to do this but they've also consulted with a whole load of organizations basically all americans so the department of justice the you know the military the cdc there's like everybody in their dog homeland security has been involved in this right and the decision was that it should be censored so this means that the americans now have the yeah. information for a toxin that nobody else knows about right so when they've been consulting with all these departments it's presumably all they've American. just been given them giving well, them the information per se I have no idea. All I know is the Americans have got the secret, you know, information about this toxin that we don't know about yet. The and Americans, the says Susie. Well, the scaremongering. No, but it, you know, that's kind of interesting that they. That my uh, my issue with this, because I'm an, I'm interested in open science and I'm interested in open access, is you know this is a really difficult one. So here's a bit of science that has been censored because of the worry that it could be used as a biological weapon, and this is a, this is a really serious worry in this mm. state because actually, yes, pretty easily that could be done. Right. right, but who has the say over? You know, that, that inf information is really important. But yeah. so we can't search for that those genes because we don't have the sequence. So we can't find out if that strain is anywhere else. Right, right. Well, it's okay that the Americans. So you can't have... detect it. We can't detect yeah. it without and that information. And you can't produce an antitoxin without that information. Right. No. Yeah. So the but only presumably who can do they that... can produce an antitoxin. Yes. If well, they gave so you that antitoxin, then yeah. could you duplicate that antitoxin? Um, well, it'd be patented. Or if they gave you a, a recipe for it, or well, I guess if you could, wouldn't have to you be could, patented. You, yeah, I'm sure some, I'm sure some whiz who knew about proteins hmm. could do that. Hmm. But they're, they're important, and and so what they're saying is they were not releasing the sequence until an until an antitoxin has been ah, produced, okay. right? Yeah. But what's but my issue is so who decides? Who decides? Who has this information? Hmm. And they now effectively have a biological weapon that no one else has. Yeah. But, but that's the okay guys. because they're the world's policemen. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. They wouldn't do anything badly. You say biological weapon, but really it's just a, it's just a toxin. It's only a weapon yeah, if, they, it, if they plan well, to use it as a weapon. Okay. They so have a toxin it, with the potential to potential be a biological use as a weapon. weapon. So my question is, how does an antitoxin work? I was going to ask that next. Oh, yeah. Is it complicated? Neutralizes it, I think. Oh, neutralizes. Something it. binds with a something yeah, and then does so. something to it's the magic. other something. Magic. Yeah. Magic. Right. Okay. Science. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, well, so moving on don't to... Don't ask me questions I'm not prepared for. <laughs> Google it. But you're not prepared for anything today. You're really slack. <laughs> right. Fighting fat with fat. Craig, is it yours? Well, yeah. Fighting what? Well, fighting fat with fat. Okay. 
Does that include bacon? Because <laughs> um, I'm interested. Right. You have piqued my interest. Well, so recently on the Skeptics, uh, New Zealand Skeptics page on Facebook, there was um, there were some articles posted and some quite good discussion, um, mainly around uh, diet recommendations and whether or not uh, the the best diet for people is to consume more fats and so on. And... Um, there's been an interesting discussion for some time and various research around whether low-carb diets work the best for people who are trying to lose weight and whether or not it's necessarily a good idea in the long term to mm. eat more saturated fat and, and high-protein diets and so on. Um, so I guess the... The um, the jury is still out, and it's pretty hard to decide what the right thing to do is. So, bottom line, bacon. <laughs> well, bacon is a bacon is a protein, right? And uh, contains quite a lot of fat. So, uh-huh. um, the traditional recommendations would be that you should limit your intake of bacon. Oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> no. So, no, no. <laughs> must be wrong somehow. So this says uh, in this article, I mean, I don't... I, know I haven't read it. This, this is a very, very that, long article. Um, yeah, there's a... Professor Grant Schofield, or Schofield um, has done... He's got a low-carbohydrate, high-fat theory. So he's tested it on athletes at the Millennium Institute of Sport on Auckland North Shore and compared the results with those of 20 randomised clinical medical trials worldwide. He not only believes that high-fat diets work, but that they're the key to a healthier lifestyle. Hmm. Interesting. So you've got cheese on there, which is good, and egg. I like those. (laughs) And red meat. (laughs) Right, okay. So we're going to base our diet upon what what Nathan likes. Yeah. (sighs) And whatever that thing is, I don't know. Is that salami? Here's the... Yeah. uh... So, yeah. So there's there's been, over recent decades, quite a number of um, high-fat, low-carb diets proposed. Hmm. uh, And on the basis that Essentially, as long as you reduce your carbohydrates down to a very low level, then you force your body into this mode where it basically burns all your fat up. Yeah. Right. I should start this Hypothetically. <laughs> well, it does, do, does seem to work, but there's been objections from um, the medical profession saying that because it encourages people to eat lots of saturated it's, fat, it's then in, in the long term it, it might not be a good idea. Well. Yeah, um, and it also other it, it goes against it goes against the idea about um, to reduce to to lose weight. You need to eat fewer calories than you than mm. you expend. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, what you need but... to do to lose weight is to get a um a gut change of gut flora to the ones that are the the bugs that are basically lean lean bugs. Have you no. not seen of this? There's no. this amazing bit of research done where um, they've so let me see if I can remember this. Uh, they've taken twins and um, fat twins and thin twins. So twins, one of which is fat, and one of which is thin, and then basically looked at their gut bugs, and their gut bugs are right. really different. And so now in mice, they have taken um, you can take obese. So you can take lean mice 
and feed them this cocktail of bacteria that come from so you basically breed mice with no bacteria yeah. right they're called germ-free and then you inoculate them with the bacteria from somebody so they've taken they've taken these lean mice and inoculated them with bacteria from so gut bacteria from the lean twin or from the yeah. obese twin and they eat the the mice eat the same amount right. but the mice with the fat bugs Lose get weight. fatter oh, yeah. right and what they've shown is that you can even take obese mice and put them on the lean bugs and they lose weight. Right. It's so you're saying it, it could very well simply be a process where you kill all of your gut bacteria and then take a pill. And, and then populate them with the, yeah. So it's finding be, out what are the what are the right bugs to do hmm. it. And probably, um, possibly a combination of... Yeah, so, and they, they know, they're starting to drill down into a little bit about this. There's a class of bacteria and it turns out that I think that the... Um, there's there's basically a niche that's kind of filled with these bugs mm. and they they either get more out of the food or something yeah. than right. or they turn it into something else something else like yeah maybe <laughs> 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 they do um oh sorry i, I knew about this a couple oh. months ago i wrote about it yeah. i'll put a link in but it's pretty it's yeah. pretty awesome that actually the bugs are really really important right and if right. you take so these, it could be the simple and easy answer to the yeah, world's it's a probiotic, obesity problem basically. That would be, but, but better, well, better would be for us to eat better food. Oh, I mean, one sure. of the problems with the way with a lot of the food is that it's just it's just empty, mm. right? It makes you full, but it actually has a bugger all in the way of nutrition in it. Right. Um, and this has been one of the things about changing away from a high carbohydrate diet is that most of the carbohydrates that people are eating, it's just shit. And so when people start eating these sort of diets that cut that out, it's because they're eating more vegetables and more yeah. fruit and things. Yeah. And yeah. frankly, we should just be doing that. And, and less processed food, I guess is what mm. I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, but, you know, there are real issues about people. why processed food is it's easily available. It's often cheap. Mm. Um, so there are also issues around what people can afford. I mean, it's, it's astonishing when you're seeing, you know, how much some good food is compared to actually you know what you can buy and i'm thinking of you nathan yeah, of and, your, you and your um your <laughs> I, was shopping. Wait, I, was waiting, I was just waiting <laughs> for shopping. someone to bring me up <laughs> yeah but you know it's just uh, but then there's you, there's so, i mean talking about you know eating healthy not eating healthy but there's some people that eat really healthy <clears> and do a lot of exercise yeah and, and they're still big boned yeah and there's people who have a really really horrible horrible diet yeah who remain relatively skinny. Yeah. yeah. Well, so there's clearly genetic. There's all sorts yeah, there's of things. Like, I guess this is the it, thing. It's not... It's not a really simple equation. No. Then. And, no, and, and no I'm not, wasn't proposing a panacea, but it could alleviate the problem. Well, it could Maybe. help. Potentially. Anyway, we'll all find out, won't we, when they do trials. Yeah. I think they're not... Not even being in Korea, they're doing them now with people. Nice. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, but you know, what you really want to find is what's the com right combination of bugs and... Mm. You know, and you don't want to miss something out that turned out to be yeah, really important. Yeah, could it just be something as simple as you take a probiotic, drink every day, and that keeps your bugs the right way? Hmm. Yeah, every day. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of effort. Actually, um, you know, I did that um, Kickstarter, no, Indiegogo it was, not Kickstarter. Uh, for source for, funding, crowdfunding? Yeah, no, no, no. So I did, I, I contributed to one oh. that's about finding out what's in your microbiome. Right. So I have a little sample thing to to find out what's in my gut, so oh, I can find nice. out what my microbes are. 
and so i can almost guarantee you, you that they're going to be the ones of this i think it's the firmicutes or whatever this group is that, that fat people have yeah. <laughs> except i'm on antibiotics at the moment so i think right. i'm gonna to have to wait until uh, i was gonna say wait till the research comes out and you can actually you've got something to compare it with so well, you know all right you're ahead of the game yeah yeah anyway. okay did you soon have, i shall be able and, to and report on what i've got and maybe i shouldn't ask this but did you have to provide a stool sample you do have to yeah. <laughs> lovely yeah <laughs> as i say i haven't done yet it's oh right just, <laughs> i'm gonna wait until i'm finished on antibiotics before I do it. so on antibiotics it's not basically representative of what you're actually what your bugs are right right because they've all been killed so you could go on a course of antibiotics and suddenly become a thin person no <laughs> <laughs> not if the bugs aren't there in the first place right right i mean you need to have hmm. this needs to be what your resident population are they're just going to get sort of knocked back by the antibiotics yeah. but then they're still there but, you so, don't actually have them there in the first so place. with the twin studies though then how mm. would the, how would the twins have established different populations is it just yeah no, there's lots about this that's not environment known, possibly i don't know right i don't know this is a this is a big area of kind of research now hmm. because the more we we find out about our microbiome the more we realize how important they are hmm. you know important to our to, for our immune system all <coughs> sorts of things they're pretty cool. Anyway, sorry, we couldn't... That's all right. Oh, that's all right then. Okay, so does morality change with the time of day, Susie? Uh, so this is an interesting thing. I just saw on well, Science Well, it's kind of a yes or no question, but carry on. Um, yes, okay. is the answer. Right, moving Apparently, on. Apparently, according to a study just published in um, Psychological Science, a journal of the Association of Psychological Science, um, which I haven't read, um, probably because it's on behind a paywall. But anyway, um, so uh, basically, they have found that our ability to exhibit self-control to avoid cheating or lying is significantly reduced over the course of a day, making us more likely to be dishonest in the afternoon than in the morning. So, right. our so we can pretty much take, take your word for this because yes, it's pretty early in the day. Yeah, well, it was. I have not deceived no, you. Just still. <laughs> um, so this is researchers at Harvard University and um, Utah's, the University of Utah's David Eccles School of Business. Huh. Um, so they've looked at different doing experiments in the morning and during the uh, afternoon and um, basically found differences. Nice. So... Um, Participants tested between 8 a.m. and 12 p.m. were less likely to cheat than those tested between 12 and 6. They've called this phenomenon the morning morality effect. <sighs> so they also said they tested um, participants' moral awareness in um, by presenting them with word fragments, such as so some missing letters yeah. and then some yeah. and then looking at what words they came up with. So they had um, word fragments that in the morning the participants were more likely to form the words moral and ethical whereas in the afternoon they were more likely to form the words coral and effects hmm. <laughs> you have to ask whether they've been i don't know primed in any way or anything but um, hmm. yeah i don't know anything about this kind of field but that sort of sounds interesting it does um so yeah you'd, so it's, it's you'd your mind. ability to resist the urge to lie yeah. rather than your ability to Maybe it's because, you know, you're in need of well, your bacon gonna, butty or... No, I was just going to say, I wonder if it has, it has anything to do with exposure to people. That by the end of the day, you you've had to deal with so many people, you're just sick of them. Right. Because that's pretty much the end of my day. It's like, <laughs> fuck everybody, I'm going home. <clears throat> I mean, not literally, you know what I mean. <laughs> right. 
Um, yes, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Okay, good. There you go. Well done. Thank you. Um, so, this next item is about... Hmm. Okay. Hasidic rabbi bans soy foods because they can lead to gay sex. Well, frankly, I think soy foods should just be banned because they're foul. But yeah. there you go. Uh, well, some people need it. People that are actually legitimately allergic to, to milk and whatnot. That's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you need soy-based milk? Oh. Uh, well, if you have if you... lactose intolerance, yeah. yes. Okay. <laughs> just, okay. Just, just ban it. That's your first, <laughs> first response to everything, isn't it, Susie? Jeez. Vegetarian, tum-de-tum-de-tum. Um, I should probably have read this. Oh, so, all right. So they, he worries that they will lead to gay sex because they have phytoestrogen in them. Right. Um, and apparently... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Haven't, hasn't this come up before? About uh-huh. about something, ingredients in soy products, about it being estrogen or similar to a... Yeah, well, this yeah, is this well, is their hormone replacement therapy. So you, um, yes. there's a natural form and then there's the medical form and they're basically both the same. Right. Um, yeah. Yes. So the the natural health industry will have you believe that there are no side effects to taking um, plant-based estrogens compared yeah. to medical estrogens, um, but it's basically the same. Right. Okay, but so this is an actual these estrogens will make you, will make you gay. unwanted arousal towards the same sex. Presumably this is um, personal this, experience rather well, than scientific research. Confirmation bias, probably. Yeah. This is hilarious. <clears throat> the report the same offers sex. the opinion that the bean, so soybean, contains harmful hormones that damage spirituality and ac- accelerate sexual maturity in general. That's in the same sect, Rabbi Abraham Bloody Bloody Blood did recently warn men against shaking hands with men for fear that this could lead to gay sex. Again, I'm expe- I'm assuming that's personal experience rather than yes. They should hug, they should hug and kiss instead. Yeah, I think they just want to get in the news. Very possibly. Yeah. Yes, okay, well. so that's it for news in general. New Zealand. What's going on in New Zealand? Craig, former priest gets seven six zero dash zero zero zero. What? That's a lot of zeros. Yeah, that's a lot of zeros. $760,000 to study religion. So a university professor who left the priesthood after a year has been awarded more than $760,000 of public money to study Kiwi's spirituality and religious beliefs. Okay. Well, he's so left the is, priesthood, so presumably he's not necessarily doing... Well, what's, so what's, the, what's the upshot? What's his research going to be? Well, so the, the upshot is that this week has just been announced the Marsden Grants, hmm. which Marsden was... Fund, $59 million. Yeah, so this is um, New Zealand's only Blue Skies Research Fund. Right. So every year, it's, it's hard. You put your grants in and then they get torn apart and then you get X tonight. number so, of them. And yeah. I must say, it all, it, this is a bad thing, but it always pisses me off that... You know, they basically get... So he's got the same amount for this as the medical ones have got to do their research, which actually involves, like... Research. Research and... Yeah, and something good coming cons- out of it. Well, no, but consumables and stuff yeah. that you need. Yeah, and yeah, I remember but- a couple of years ago, I got really pissed off because somebody got $800,000 to write a book about Karl Popper. 
And it's like he'd already gone away. It's just it's just paying his salary. Yeah. And it's just anyway, for a, don't give quite me quite a long time. Three, they're three years. Oh, okay. um, so he's got three years. So there's three years of money. I could live for three years on less than eight hundred. Well, then the university takes their cuts, ah, okay. and there's all sorts. But anyway, yeah. So his um, project, if you'd like me to tell you about it, yes. yes. Do you want me to tell you about yeah. it? So um, it's. So it comes out of a, a study called the New Zealand Attitudes and Values Study that was launched in 2009 by somebody else. And this was to examine how um, our changing values affect our health, economic performance and well-being. And it was a 20-year study. Um, and so he, so every year they do this annual survey um, and so they're tracking their respondents. Um, and so what this guy has got now is money to extend the survey in a in a in a new direction so he wants to add recent migrants and religious and spiritual groups to the sample so to the people who are being surveyed and then look at um again look at how their beliefs uh either shape or are affected by you know the things that happen so they're going to be following people for 20 years um and he wants to add to the sample of people who are already being followed migrants and religious people Okay. And what he's also interested in is people who were um, involved in the Christchurch earthquakes. So mm. looking at, I guess, whether people who are spiritually thingy, you know, are they more resilient or whatever. Well, isn't it about how their attitudes have changed as well since the earthquake? So before the earthquake, you were on the fence. After the earthquake, you've gone back to being more religious. He wants to look at the way spirituality affects disaster recovery and oh, how okay. it compares with social belonging and personality as a predictor okay. of well-being. No, said something so this different. is probably some interesting research, I guess. Yeah. But is it worthwhile taking nearly a million dollars out of the $59 million? Is it? What would you do with $760,000, Susie? How many research projects could you do? Well, it'd be one. So it one. would fund the, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the... And the project I've been trying to get funded by these guys is our evolution project, which oh, hasn't yeah. been funded. Oh. So um, oh. it's okay. I'm going to try again next year. Okay. Hmm. So... Um, yes, yeah, so so that would support that project for three years, basically. Hmm. What proportion of projects would get funded? Um, so this year it was about 9%. Wow. Um, last year it was about 6%. So they Gosh. had a little bit more money. There's a lot of research. A lot of applications that get ditched Denied. yeah yeah it's a soul destroying thing <laughs> oh, yeah. well you wouldn't have had terribly well, high soul destroying maybe going in no, with but 6% you, no but you spend a lot rate. of time yeah yeah writing. putting well so there's a two-stage proposal so there's a one pager mm. or two page or something which uh goes in and then something like the, the so they do a massive cut there so about 25% or something get through and then at the next stage right. so then I think you've got about a quarter or a third of chance getting funded at the next stage and that's when you then write a huge you know fuck off 20 page thing yeah so it's okay. interesting hmm. it says it's also going to show um, the role of religion in our everyday lives and create knowledge which will uh, with enduring benefits for future generations of New Zealanders well, my only slight concern is the is the um Being, you know, how uh, he's a re he's a religious man. He's clearly a religious man. He says so in his interview. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, the fact that he was a former priest. Yeah. Well, former. He could well, be I like, was going to say. Know, he could be like Nathan. He could be a recovering creationist. Um, <laughs> recovered? Recover sorry, recovered. recovered. Oh, I don't know, Nathan. You might go back. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's still a bit of work to do, I think. 
you reckon? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so more research into whatevs, religious people. Hang mm. on, is he, is he actually religious? Well, he does say in the article somewhere around that as to God, tum tum. There's a quote. There's a quote from him down here. Yeah, there is a quote. Um, As to. I don't know where it is. As for afterlife or God, I have no idea. It says religion was intensely important to him, but as for an afterlife or God, I have no idea. So it's possible that he's sort of in the sort of more spiritual, less religious side of things well it was intensely important to him because it um paid his was paycheck yeah i guess <laughs> um so he it seems like he's at least trying to appear as though he's going to be impartial non-biased whatever hmm. mm. so anyway the last will be interesting to see what comes out of it thing we have to talk about is oh two things Oh, no, it's all one thing. There's yes. lots of different links. Yes, yes, Carry yes, on. Yes. Okay, Craig, you found us an interesting product well, that we might yes. want to buy. So something, we... something that popped up this morning for sale is... Um, on blankblank.co.nz on a, website. On a daily deal kind of website. Um, there was an offer to get four skin-energizing red light therapy treatments from a clinic that does that sort of thing. And... Um, so that sort of made me think, well, red light therapy doesn't actually sound like it's uh, anything special that would have any... Um, well, the first clue there benefits. for me would be the word energising. Right. And then right. the second clue was that thing you were reading out before about it being um, no side effects. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. one of the and things so they specifically said. This red light therapy does seem to raise some red flags. Helps diminish, can speed up, lessen wrinkles which Craig found. So apparently that's, I guess, when old people go back to school. <laughs> Indeed. So we did some, um, we did some other, uh, we did a search on the web to see what... Um, yeah, we've done some research. We've done some research <laughs> on this. <laughs> and it appears that it's, um, that, well, there are, there are at least other websites that talk about it. And, so there may um, be something there may to be something some versions of light therapy. Yeah, so possibly the, pulsed or coherent. Yeah, so so one of the sites that I saw was um, a person who was sitting in front of a sort of a red, yeah, uh, standard incandescent light bulb. Um, it had red light shining on their face. You're and talking about this? Is this the Wise Geek yeah. site? Because I'm not sure. That's the sort of picture and caption I would expect from someone like the Onion. <laughs> is, are, are they actually trying to suggest that this man is having red light therapy, or is it a stock photo they've found well, of I, a man in front of a red light bulb? Because well, I don't know. I, I guess the well, there's pretty amazing it. things you can do with um, Photoshop. So that could just be any light bulb, and they happen to just have coloured it red. red. Um, so whether it's a red light bulb or not, who knows? Mm. Um, but yeah, to me. It, the, f- the fact that it's just red light is so essentially you're just filtering out all other frequencies but red. So Why don't you just how would outside? yeah just go and stand outside in the sun and and would that do you the same amount of benefit? Hmm. Okay, so I found a number of um, I'm just looking for review articles for red light therapy on PubMed, which is the kind of database for yeah. things. So um, so one I've just found on Rhino Phototherapy, which is not shining lights at rhinos. <laughs> to do with noses. Um, so they 
So in their abstract, they state that photodynamic therapy has been used in treating immune-mediated dermatological conditions, such as psoriasis and atopic dermatitis. Um, and so um, it seems like it might have some use for that. They've done a review in the use of allergic rhinitis. So this is basically runny noses and things. Um, light wavelengths used range from red to ultraviolet. It seems to be safe and well tolerated. Um, but there was... Um, so most studies demonstrated symptomatic improvement and quality of life scores but no improvement in objective measures. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so it would it appear to be... So conclusion, not so much. Um, so that... Phototherapy treatment results in DNA damage, but does not appear to predispose to carcinogenesis. However, long-term studies are needed to verify this. Oh, so right. it could actually be dangerous. Well, um, DNA damage is just what you get from standing out in the sun, isn't it? It's just yeah. standard radiation. Yeah, and so part of the part of the rationale for this was the observation that people with acne seem to ha to improve if they spent time out in the sun. So the right. idea was that actually sunlight of some some wavelengths of light, and somehow they sort of hit on red. But actually, there's all sorts of types of light therapies that are used so pulsed light therapies lasers um yeah. all sorts of things yeah the, the other thing i didn't um i didn't find a link but um it re immediately jumped into my mind that made me um triggered the skeptical radar was um i have read something like this in a book by a new zealand guy called alternative treatments that they don't want you to know about or something like that and it covers oh, a whole okay. so lot of and one of them was various using various types of, of light to treat various different things. And you basically had a little table. If you had red light, it would treat this and this. Right. I haven't read the book for ages. So I this just... one here that I've just found is a little review of using light for treating port wine stains. So these are these uh, sort of red uh, birthmarks and things. Yeah. Um, and they conclude that there is some clearance, but it's pulsed dyes. So that's not shining a red light no. at someone. Right. So that's probably so. I would imagine that this is something that has quite specific medical uses when done in a certain way, probably by a with professional equipment. Yeah. yeah. And this is being jumped on by the alternative medicine people who are um, found a way to make a quick buck by shining lights on yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the first thing I thought when I read the book. Yeah. Is hey, I could do that. Yeah. Just put a bit of gel over some lights and <laughs> sell it to people as a as a cancer treatment and make loads of money. Yeah. So the other one I found was about. <laughs> Um, so you're far too treatment ethical. of acne. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what this one says. So, further studies needed. Side effects were pain, crusting, hyperpigmentation. Um, but they again, they looked at pulsed lasers, intense pulsed light. Um, it looks like. Yeah. Okay. So. And they recommend that you don't use optical treatments as the first line treatment for acne. <laughs> so. Right. Um, just for uh, in case anyone was wondering, there's been no reply to my comment on the discussion for the item in question. What? In the discussion. I, I oh, on that thing. You posted on the, something. On the, okay. On the deal a day question. I'm skeptical. What's the scientific evidence for this 51 minutes ago? And surprisingly <laughs> enough, no reply. Okay. I'm spamming the refresh button, but it's not doing anything. Mm. So maybe the site's broken or something. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's another link here which leads us to a, an XKCD cartoon. I'm, 
who put that there? Oh, Craig. No, that was me, but that's got nothing to do with the. Uh, well, we can talk about. You it want to talk like. about it? Oh, for know. goodness' sake, guys! Your segues are terrible. Sorry, <laughs> all of us. <laughs> Here's another thing we're going to talk about, guys. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to figure out what it is. Is this oh, something yeah, this you is wanted good. to specifically? Go on. Okay, Go on, talk about this. Well, it is. Yeah, it is quite good. So there's a. Um, for everyone who hasn't already seen it. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a... It, was it XKCD? Was it was it? XKCD. Right, yeah. So um, this is about 20th century headlines rewritten to get more clicks. And um, so... The headline and the actual date, which you have a, to try and figure a time, out. timeline from 1905 to 1990. Uh, so one of my favourite ones was 1928. This one weird mould kills all germs. Yeah. <laughs> I like the um, th- shocking new theory discovered by a dad proves scientists are wrong about everything, 1905. <laughs> and uh, you won't believe what these people did to the Berlin Wall video, <laughs> 1989. And January 1st, 1990, 500 signs you're a 90s kid. <laughs> yes. And so forth. That was mildly amusing. 19, 1955, avoid polio with this one weird trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so quite quite good. Oh, I like the 1945, this is a bit bad really. These nine Nazi atrocities <laughs> will make you lose your faith in humanity. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, good. moving on to everybody's favourite segment, Susie Rants. And not about same, the puns. Full stop. Same, same. Um, the Ponsby News is actually supposed to be delivered today, but um, I found this yesterday, and this is the New Zealand Journal of Natural Medicine. What? We have a what? We have a New Zealand Journal of Natural Medicine. It's a <laughs> journal. Page. I'm yeah. laughing about the ad on the back cover. <laughs> <laughs> Verifiable solutions for radiation-free <laughs> living. living. Radiate, okay. Radiation in houses is a genuine This is issue problem. 11. Anyway, let, yeah. let, um, okay. let me rant about it. So this is issue 11. It seems to be published quarterly. So this is November 2013 to February 2014. Um, I picked this up in the supermarket and it cost $9.90. Um, is this a journal? A, is, this a, is this a magazine that's sold in Sorry, no, journal. Around the it's world. Journal. Oh, no, no, oh, it's sorry. a New Zealand yeah. one. Um, you can subscribe to it. Yeah, but bat, 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 bat. Look at the look at the prices. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. So the price they've got New Zealand dollars, they've got Australian dollars, they've got pounds, and they've got euros. So, so it's right. Like, it's yeah. a worldwide magazine. So this, sorry, this, this journal. Not a New Zealand thing. Sorry, I keep calling it a magazine. It's a journal. It's a journal. Journal, journal, journal is available for sale in the supermarket. Yeah. Right. It has an ISSN number. Fair enough. The publisher is is the Full Court Press in Point Chef in Auckland. Wow. Okay. Um, it has two editors, and one of these editors, just the name of them tickled me because the name is Jonathan Eisen. Oh, that's the guy that wrote that book. So That's the book I was talking oh, okay, about, The Alternative right. okay. Treatments. So, it's that guy. Right. So Jonathan Eisen in my, in my life yeah. um, is basically one of the open access kind of heroes. So he and his brother started the Public Library of Science Plus. Who knew? Oh. And uh, yeah, and now he's basically masquerading. Anyway. Oh, well, maybe I'll, I'm thinking I'll, of someone I'll, else. I'm going to read the first line of the editorial in this journal, which was written by Jonathan Eisen, not the Jonathan Eisen. Oh, no, maybe it's a different, different guy I'm thinking um, of. It says, medical science, in square quotes, is killing us. Oh, of course. And I think that's probably all you need to know now about the rest of the journal. Wow. 
Um, the journal is available for, I was going to say, yes, you can subscribe for $40 a year, but I guess if they only do four, then that's $10. So actually you're better off paying for it at the supermarket. Um, they have a disclaimer. The New Zealand Journal of Natural Medicine is published for educational purposes only. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the publisher or staff. We do not endorse any modalities or treatment for any illness, disability or disease and encourage our readers to seek out a competent health professional for any treatment required. We take no responsibility for the use to which information contained in any of the articles is put by the reader. Ah! Hang on, and hang then on, they hang on. have... So, I mean, where, where, do we, where do we start? Because this is... This Can you is write like them letters to the editor? Ah, uh, yeah, I might have, Yeah, we do have an address in here. Email and all sorts. Okay, um, so I'm just going to no, give you There may be more than one Jonathan Ison. Of course there's oh, more than surprise. one Jonathan Ison. <laughs> well, there's a Jonathan Ison who is based in the University of California, yeah, Davis. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. That's the one you're talking about. Yeah. There's a New Zealand Jonathan Ison. Yes. Who publishes this. Who <laughs> is a... Who's this guy? It must be. Well, it's not my Jonathan Ison. It's not the California one. No. Okay. <laughs> I thought you said it was. No, I'm saying it's not. Ah, we okay. should introduce them to each other. Yeah, well, the, no, the guy that wrote this is Actually, we're trying to get Jonathan Ison over next year <gasps> to New Zealand. And so. you could put that as, as coming to the idea of Jonathan Ison. Okay, so um, I'm going to just give you a flavour for some of the things in here. They have a vaccine section. Let's go move to the vaccine section, 51 to 54. Shaken baby syndrome caused by vaccines. Oh, um, vaccines sorry, cause infertility. Sorry, very, very strong vaccines <laughs> that can pick up. That's a... the vaccine section. Okay. Um, the fluoride debacle, page 60. Fluoride debacle. Um... Uh, the science isn't settled. And there's some disturbing facts. And then, of course, they show the picture of the toxic, ha! toxic. <laughs> yep. Oh, fuck. Where do you start with this shit? So when and I you saw supported it, them by giving them your well, money. Yes. You so should have stolen you, you, that you, magazine yeah, from the supermarket. Yeah, you're right. I should have stolen yeah, it. Yeah, we would all have been in totally 100% yeah, okay. in support of you doing that. They've got a... Um, um, just for reference, the book I'm thinking of is Suppressed Inventions and Other Discoveries by Jonathan Eisen. Okay. We should, yeah, okay. I've got a copy if anyone wants to borrow it so you don't have to buy it for used 18 cents us <laughs> on amazon.com so one thing that is interesting about this magazine is our oh, journal sorry is that it um it seems to be so there's a few of the articles are written by people like him and obviously other other people in new zealand um oh oh i just missed this sorry there's a vaccine alert mm -hmm. controversial dr andrew wakefield proven right God, it can cause autism. Oh, they've got letters. Yes, you can write letters to the editors. We should read some of these. Yay. Um, right in. Offer to do a, um, a regular. Regular. <laughs> no, what we really should do is write in a, write in a Poe letter. Yeah, no, an article. Submit something to it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of their articles are... Um, how you can use deadly glowing bacteria to, <laughs> to cure cancer. Okay, we can do that. Yes. Um... Please, 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 can we do that? Can we actually do it? Because the sceptical letter is not going to get anywhere I'll to help. a magazine like that. No. But. And then we can make a big deal out of it, the fact yeah. it was published. Yeah. Talking oh. on your mobile phone triggers cancer. Yep. Um, chemotherapy helps tumours grow. <laughs> um, what? 
Mm. Oh, God. Vitamin C kills drug-resistant TB, so why aren't we using vitamin C? Good question. Here's the story. So would you like to know where most of their stories come from? I bet you can guess. Um, Natural News. Yeah. No, no. Oh, yep. okay. Natural I was going to say, um, what's his name? The Health Ranger. Yeah. yeah the Health Ranger. <laughs> Dr. Mark Adams. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff uh, comes from overseas, from websites. It's just sort of... So, presumably so, they have permission to do that so this Please. guy just Jonathan Eisen is also into chemtrails and conspiracy okay, theories okay. I want to just so, so, so most, they're, they're publishing this yeah. so that stupid people who can't use the internet can get yeah. access to <laughs> yeah. some weird yeah. crap yeah. <laughs> well all in one place um, so article on page 34 are most diseases caused by the medical system question mark yes and Walter Last starts by saying I do not want to pretend that this is an impartial investigation I am fully convinced that most diseases are, diseases are indeed caused by the medical system and in the following article I will state my reasons for this conclusion Whew. so the reason I purchased wow. it okay because Stephen did say don't you dare <laughs> yeah because in many because he knew I was going to go Rah! at it yeah. sorry that was a bit loud um, the reason I bought it was because this is available in the supermarket yes right Yeah. and I just wanted to know whether we could get it removed from the supermarket okay so do the sorry do the immunisation advisory centre know that this is available and has numerous articles about vaccination on it right so could we get a whole load of people together okay. to pressure the supermarkets to stop stocking it okay mm. now they have a website um, I don't know if you can actually look at the actual thing. No, Archives? Yeah. Article categories. This is articles on the website specifically. And this is what they say about themselves. Each issue of the New Zealand Journal of Natural... And it just annoys me that it's called the New Zealand Journal of Natural Medicine. I mean, can we not get rid of that name as well? Oh. It features 100 pages of the most vitally important health information you may ever read. But it bearing doesn't look in like mind, 100 pages. Is that really 100 pages? It is. 95 96 97 well I guess <gasps> it is if you include but it's, of course it's all adverts but I guess they would say that they're really really important right it is if you include what the cover oh, this the is cover. also what I found this is also what I found <laughs> study I'm homeopathy so with the leading provider of homeopathic education in the southern hemisphere <laughs> the Bay of Plenty College of Homeopathy how long do you think you need to study to get a diploma of homeopathy three years four wow wow yeah oh it must be real then and it's a degree, how, it's how, a pathway how? to a health science degree. No, how, it isn't. How, how can it take that I know, long I know, to teach them how to put, and oh. it's all in a book. I know. You get the book, I know. you get a Bible with a leather cover on it, and they show you how to but dilute things. it's all about counselling patients. And, mm. Oh, what's this one? Yeah, 100% non-toxic, 100% of mineral magic, the science of silica. What's that? Silica coming back, coming is back a, the, um, an element shelf, that... Shelf, yeah, I know what that is. Nature's oldest form of parasite control. Okay. Right. Coming back to the ad on the back cover again. Yeah, sorry. Let me find the back cover again. That the fact that it's verifiable solutions, I find that interesting that I bet you none of the other things that are in the magazine <laughs> are actually verifiable. Well, actually, so what we should probably do is give this to Mark, Hannah. Yeah. And see what stuff he can complain about. Um, can you do that in a publication yeah, yeah it's an yeah. ad it's an ad this is that's yeah. Yeah, specifically um, what the advertising standards they, authority is for really yeah. things like ads on tv and radio and and publications. very much so um the other thing i was going to suggest is maybe you could scan turn it into a pdf scan it um pages you're allowed huge. to do that with a well no not strictly speaking no and then we could well what i'm saying is we could send it to people and people can have a look at it without okay. actually having to buy it okay. but um yeah 
for the purposes of review and criticism, maybe. Yes, well, you, um, you, you wouldn't bits of it anyway. Thing. No, probably, probably not. not. Violation of copyright. Yeah. Well, very interesting. All right, I well was done. just kind of like. Well, I think for the, the price you paid, nine dollars ninety, you've you've got a lot of fun out of it. I have, I have, <laughs> and believe me, I'm going to get more fun because I want to do something about this. And we so. can submit an article, and we can. <coughs> yeah. Well, speaking of weird books that are sold at unexpected places, whenever I go to Mitre Ten, they have this. The I have some books there about homeopathy and. They do and t- down t- by the front front yeah, desk yeah. on the way in. Yeah, yeah I right. noticed that. I was. I, I noticed. I, was, I thought <laughs> what that's a weird odd. place to be selling those. But then I forgot okay, about can it. We, can we get yeah. rid of those too? Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, Homeo Botanicals prescribing with power and precision. Huh. The Herbal Energy Center. So has John Appleton written any articles here? <laughs> I haven't seen him in here. <laughs> well, if he's just he downloading all of his stuff off the internet, yeah. then um, probably anyway. not. Homeopathic treatment of ear infections? Yeah, sure. Okay, moving on. All right. To the quote of the day. Craig, well, this is one a bit that, of a background that, to this one. Yeah, well, this is the one that uh, one that um, Susie has provided me, and this is a, <laughs> from a from a book about Australian science. So it's Australian science writing. Australian um, science writing. Like a little opinion that's done every year. So this um, was written by some guy by the name of Tim Minchin. Yeah. You may or may not have heard of. The quote goes, The previous two collections in the excellent The Best Australian Science Writing 2013 series have contained forwards written by Nobel laureates. So in pursuit of balance, I assume this year's forward is written by somebody who was quite spectacularly not one. Therefore, rather than say something knowledgeable or insightful, I'll begin with the dental health of the people of Oregon, USA. I've only been to Portland once, but it's a great city. Its population, a paragon of liberalism and artiness, sporting more tattoos than you could point a regretful laser at, and boasting, perhaps, a higher collective die-to-hear ratio than anywhere on earth. Great music, great art, wonderful coffee. It's my kind of town. Except the residents recently voted for the fourth time since the 1950s against adding fluoride to the water supply. It's as if a mermaid on one's lower back is an impediment to sensible interpretation of data. Or perhaps unkempt pink hair acts (laughs) as a sort of dream catcher for conspiracy theories. Does it, Susie? Susie's hair isn't unkempt. Oh, right. Okay, so if it's neat, it's all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make sure you brush it, otherwise you'll be attracting conspiracy theories. So that was Tim Minchin. Um, yeah, Tim Minchin. Very good. We'll put the link to the rest of it because it's really, it's fantastic. The rest of his um, his forward is really good. And today's word of the day is a fabulist, fabulist, and that is one who invents fables. Huh. Fabulist. So God was a fabulous. Well, the people who wrote the Bible is what I was going to say. But oh, right. yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. Um, you can contact us on our website, thecusp.org.nz. Yeah.